Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. We are live. Matt Walrath, welcome to the Black Time Podcast. Thank you for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure. I, I don't know how many times I've interviewed you. I'm guessing like four or five. Always been fitness and health industry kind of specific. But it's going to be a pleasure now to talk about all the things you do, topics maybe we've covered in the past, but with kind of a new lens of like general entrepreneurship and business and life. I think you've done a excellent job in your pursuits of really, for lack of a better term, I don't know if there is balance, but balancing all of those things, your lifestyle, your values, your purpose, your business, your wealth. You're always someone who I kind of admire as being able to really look at things from a, a step back, right? And make sure that everything's moving forward and in alignment. Matt, let's do this. Give everyone your backstory. How'd you get to where you are? You've been through the fitness industry. You coach coaches now. You've living in Australia, surfing hopefully 300 days this year. <laughs> Man, how did you get to there? Tell us all. Awesome. First off, dude, thank you for the reflection about the balance that you see in my life. Coming from a guy who's probably standing on a balance board right now. <laughs> I am, That's yeah, a high compliment. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, in terms of uh, of my journey, yeah, man, it's interesting. Getting into the fitness industry for me was fully a passion thing. Like I didn't grow up wanting to be a PT. I didn't grow up wanting to be a health coach. I didn't grow up wanting to do any of those things. Like I grew up just outside of Manhattan. I grew up wanting to be in the financial services industry. That was my, I want to be an astronaut. I've always been interested in business and wealth building and all those things from a young age, my parents bought me like a children's finance and investing book. And it turned out that when I got to college, I saw the reality of what it meant to work in the financial services industry. And I didn't like what I saw. Mm. So what actually grabbed my attention was the startup world. At that time in the like 2008 to 2012 time period, people were starting to get over the shock of the 1999, 2000.com boom and bust. And all of a sudden technology and business moonshots that, that started to be on the board again. And I loved it. When I went to college in California, there were so many people that were just outside of Silicon Valley who there was just that huge allure of the startup world. Mm -hmm. So when I got out of college, I got into the startup world, but thing is, once again, I wasn't exactly aligned with my purpose in it. And I didn't necessarily like what I saw with the business that I had created. 
and the long-term path for myself. It was really exciting in the early phases to raise a seed round, to raise a series A. But the thing is, I just, after that initial excitement, after developing the technology, after getting everything set up, when it came to the actual day-to-day, I was just like, this is not something I want to do day-to-day for the rest of my life. You know, even if I exit this business, this isn't how I want to be operating. And I found for me, I, I had to do a lot of self-questioning and I was like, okay, I think actions express values. I think actions express priorities. And I looked at my actions. I looked where I was spending my money, where I was spending my time. And I realized I was spending so much of my money and time on fitness and health related things. I had just taken the precision nutrition certification for the joy of it. In college, I had taken essentially a minor in complementary and alternative medicines. I was spending a lot of money on good food and supplements and exercise equipment for my house and gym membership. Spending a lot of time in the gym. I was spending a lot of time in PubMed researching different topics on like health and biohacking. So I thought, why don't I just do this? So then I ended up leaving the startup world and for no financial incentive whatsoever, because I know the fitness industry often is a place where people don't make much money. I, I entered the fitness industry anyway. And so that was kind of the origin story. And now I have a company called Beyond Macros. We grew to a large staff doing health and nutrition coaching online. And I eventually transitioned that, brought my love of fitness and my love of business into one. And now I actually am a business mentor for health and nutrition coaches. And I really focus in on helping them create an amazing experience for their clients. Because for me, I'm in this industry because of purpose and being mission-driven. And I know the coaches who I mentor are the same. And I want to make sure that they feel really good about the experience that they provide to their clients. Because I know they didn't get into the fitness industry for the financial incentive. They got into it because they wanted to help people. Yeah. Great story, man. I'm, and I'm curious just because today's recording is, uh, let's see, it's May 11th, 2021. When you look at the general population, I know you work with, I, I presume most of <clears throat> the people you work with come out of the United States or the Australia. What's the balance for your business? Man, it is all over the world, but we definitely have the majority of people like our epicenter is definitely North America, okay. America, Canada. But we have quite a few people in the UK. I've got team members in the UK. We've got quite a few people in Australia. I'm in Australia. I've got team members in Australia. So yeah, we mostly English speaking countries, but we do have clients in Asia. We do have you know clients in India. We do have clients in Africa. It's, it's, it's pretty wild to see how many people and how many countries like health coaching is actually becoming a thing. And that's what, that's the question I want to ask is, you know, with the COVID pandemic, have you seen a higher interest in health? Are people really starting to invest in health? Absolutely. Great. Now, we teach a VIP experience. And so with that, we teach our coaches to charge a premium for that. And I really believe that people do put a premium on their health now. It just depends on, obviously, marketing-wise, how people position the message. But I do think that with the right positioning, people are willing to pay a premium. Right now, I was telling you, I think before the, the podcast, that 
my goal is to surf 300 days this year. And we're only in May, as you mentioned. So I started getting some pain in my left hip. And I was like, man, if I'm getting pain in my left hip, this started back in April, started a month ago. I was like, man, if I'm getting pain in my left hip already and I'm surfing this many days, what, what's my body going to feel like at the end of this? So for me, be, getting out of pain, that was something I would have been willing to pay anything for. And so I went on a hunt to find different health coaches and online PTs who could help me with that problem. And I literally would have been willing to pay anything to the right person who could make sure that this year I get my 300 days in the water and my hip feels good. And the other part of the reason I'd be willing to do anything is because I see that my dad had to have a double hip replacement and his left Mm -hmm. hip, the one that I'm feeling pain in is the one that gave him the most problems. And so I'm looking at it long-term as well as short-term. It's going to help me stay in the water, but it could also prevent me from having to have my hips replaced. Yeah. Why is that? Why is it your left hip? Is it a particular surf stance or is it something repetitive or is it just genetic? What do you think? Yeah. So I think that specifically this is due to surf stance because I don't know about skiing. Skiing is pretty bilateral. I imagine you're pretty even on both sides, but surfing very unilateral. It's like my, I'm a goofy foot, which means that my left leg is the trailing leg, the one on the back of the board. And so that's the one that I'm generating a lot of power from. That's the one that, yeah, just gets a lot more pressure on it. And my PT gave me some very good reasons for why my left hip is feeling the way it is, but I don't know if the audience necessarily cares too much about the biomechanics of my body. <laughs> I'm always curious. Yeah. That's just an area question. <laughs> I want to really, cause I, there's a lot of carryover here. I mean, you've, you've really built a business around the concept of having a VIP client experience, right? Yeah. That's why health and fitness coaches or health and nutrition coaches come to you. They want to learn this. They want to be able to charge more, have a higher level of client, better retention, make better income. And all evolves around this really this concept of, of a VIP client experience. So maybe explain, you know, what that means within your scope and your industry of health and nutrition. And then maybe some ideas of how, you know, people who are listening in other industries may carry this over to what they do. Absolutely, man. So one of the reasons that I decided the VIP experience was so important is because I looked at the experience that most people had with training, with the fitness industry, with Weight Watchers and some of the other weight loss products or programs out there. And if we look at the fitness industry for a long time, the ideal business model was like a big box gym. It was like, get as many people to sign up for a cheap membership as possible. Hope that they don't show up. Hope that they don't get results so they keep wanting to come back or keep paying that membership. And ultimately, that's what drives profit for your business is lots of people paying a little bit of money so that they don't really notice when it comes out of their bank account and hoping that there is actually low utilization of your product so that you don't have to have as high of operating costs. And I looked at that and that was like the ideal business model in fitness. And for somebody who got into this industry out of purpose, out of mission, out of wanting to help people, that didn't vibe with me one bit. I'm not here to grab their dollars and have them continue suffering. I'm here to help them stop. And there's no possible way that I could see to do that 
for a low price. And I also wanted to take a look at, and I did some market research to determine what is it that people do like about what the fitness industry was offering? What was it that they did not like about what the fitness industry was offering? And I wanted to figure out what it is that was their true pain and their true desires really got down into the weeds. I'm a big fan of market research. And after doing the market research, what I discovered is that most people essentially wanted personalized attention. They wanted to feel like the program they were getting was custom made, perfectly tailored towards them. They wanted a bespoke experience. And mm -hmm. although some people, their price anchor was very low because of what the fitness industry was offering, I was like, okay, bespoke experience. How can we deliver that in a way that is affordable that people will say yes to, but how do we deliver that is the bigger question. And to me, that's what a VIP experience is creating a bespoke experience for your clients, having done some market research to understand them and what they want. And ultimately the VIP acronym is very important person. So how do you make your clients feel like they are very important people rather than just a number that signs in with their ID card to a gym and doesn't necessarily know anybody that works there. Yeah. That's that you're right. You nailed the industry overall. And I'm, I'm thinking as you're, you're talking like, where does this cross over? Where does this carry over to other industries come? And it's basically anywhere that you're in the service business, anytime you're serving a client, it really makes sense. But if you were going to look at, if you're going to take your principles, right, of creating a VIP client experience, and you are going to translate it into another industry. Is there any other industries specifically that you'd be like, yeah, this is set perfectly for that one? That's a good question. I hadn't necessarily thought about it, but I do believe that any industry where there is a service being rendered. So I can think right now about if we think, if we go to it, it's like the medical industry. Oh, that's another numbers game or it's become a numbers game because of the way that insurance is set up. And so my experience uh, growing up, I feel like I got a VIP experience from my pediatrician. Like we were never rushed out the door. We were always taken care of. We had a relationship with her. She was great. We got a lollipop afterwards. It was just like a good experience. She always had the best toys in her waiting room, always had the best movies in her waiting room. She really did a lot for the people who were patients of her practice. And then and in my adult life, that's not the experience that I've had. In my adult life, anytime I've gone to a doctor, it's been, I spend more time filling out forms than I do actually talking to the doctor. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it doesn't feel like I've had the opportunity to develop a relationship with a doctor or a medical practitioner the way that I did back in the day. And I do feel like there are a lot of people who would be interested in having that long-term relationship with a medical practitioner who knows them so well in and out and can give them a lot more insight into them as a human and their health and what it will take for them to achieve, you know, their bigger health and longevity goals. Yeah. I think that the medical industry is one, it's obviously very adjacent to fitness. So it's easy to make that leap, but I do think that's one that would be ripe for someone to create a VIP experience. Now, I don't know if there's any regulatory hurdles to that. I think that would be a shame if there were, but that's just some thoughts. It's, I think you're spot on because I've actually lived that before coming to where we live now. I had a, I, I, I don't, for the record, I don't see the doctor a lot 
luckily so far at this point in life, I don't need to, but I had a, a doctor back in my previous hometown of Santa Barbara, where I was, I saw him once a year. He didn't take insurance. We had a physical it was 400 bucks. So I paid 400 bucks for the physical and we sat down for about 45 minutes and he just reviewed all of his notes. And we talked about, Hey, how's your father doing? Any updates on his medical conditions? How's your mom doing brother or sister? Oh, you mentioned this last time. How's that? How's your lifestyle? How's your stress? It was amazing. He hooked me up to an EKG. We did a full heart thing. We went over my blood tests. It was just wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, now compared to in the system now where it's I have to ask for the blood work. It's a 15 minute appointment. We just go over the same thing every year. And it's, did you get your flu shot? No, I don't get flu shots. Okay. What's next? How check on your prescriptions. You still need these? Yep. Okay. All right. Done. And that was it. And it doesn't feel good. I don't feel cared for. And that's, uh, I think that's where you're getting out to is people want to feel cared for. Definitely. And the thing that's terrible is like the people that I know in the medical industry, a lot of them want to deliver that experience that's closer to a VIP experience. But over time, they've just had to create a business model that is higher frequency with the way that insurance works. And yeah, I think over time, people will just get jaded because that's how they feel that they have to do it or that regulation is created a environment where that's how things, that's just the way things are done. And so it's cool to see that there are people breaking out of that model and not charging insurance and doing it the way that they want to do it. Yeah. I think there are people out there who would be willing to pay for it like you. And yeah, I think it's definitely an opportunity. I look at it. It's not even, am I willing to pay for it? I look at it as it's an investment. You're investing in a relationship, you're investing in things that could cost you a lot of money down the line and a lot of time and a lot of heartbreak. And uh, it's one of those things I just don't want to mess with if I can avoid it. And I want to have someone that I feel like I can have. And to your point, I don't want to bag on the medical industry at all because doctors are in a tough situation because of the way that things are set up and insurance and all that. And everybody, basically everybody gets into that particular field because they do want to help people. And you don't, you just, when you have that cycle of going through and doing a 20 minute appointment, you don't even feel like you have a relationship with your doctor that you can trust them enough to talk about things that you think may be important. And that's a big deal too, is not only just being cared for, but also feeling that you can trust. And from that trust comes generally the inner motivations or whatever it may be. The, what I would quote back in my coaching days, the good stuff where it's okay. Now we're down to brass tacks. We can actually work with this. We know what's going on. And I think that's a huge component of it is that trust. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Trust. That's one of the things that I teach coach, like anybody that I'm business coaching, when it comes to a VIP experience, trust is one of the most important things that you can form because If you're in a client business, if you're in a service business, trust is formed from the first interaction with your business. And that's usually your marketing. And you have to continue building trust all the way through. I feel like you have to create trust with a prospect where you treat them as if they're going to be a client. And if you don't do that, if you don't actually establish that trust before the paid relationship begins, then it's hard to make it up once the paid relationship begins. And you're going to have people who are non-compliant and you're going to have people who 
don't, again, trust you to get down to brass tacks, to actually get down to the juicy stuff that's actually going to make a difference in their life. Yeah. I really feel like trust is one of the most important assets in to any service business. Right on. I want to slightly shift gears. I want to talk about something that I know you are really hot on. And I think it's something that not a lot of people really conceptually grab. They just stow money away put it in their 401k and hope at the end of the day that it'll be enough. But you've been, yeah. you've mentioned this podcast, you, you, we talked about it offline about wealth building and give us maybe mm-hmm. some key lessons. Like when did you really start to, like, how would you define wealth building versus saving money? Let's start there. Yeah. So I'm thinking about wealth building in terms of freedom, whereas making money is just making money. So to me, If I look at wealth, I love, I think it was Robert Kiyosaki said that you should actually measure wealth in years. Mm -hmm. And what he means by that is if you stopped working today, does the money that you have and the the cash flow from the assets that you have versus your expenses, how long would you be able to not work if you just stopped working today? And so to me, it's wealth is a number a time number, and it represents freedom. How much freedom do I have? And so for me, my goal is as fast as possible to hit the point where neither me nor my wife would have to work again. Like right now she doesn't have to work, but like I I still have to work, even though I've been pretty successful. If I stopped working today, it's like the expenses that we have. And even though we have cash flowing assets, eventually our money would run out. So my goal is to get to a point where true wealth is just our assets, cash flow from our assets or potentially the businesses and business models that I've set up that can run themselves. Like I can stop working and our lifestyle is fine. But to go one step further from that, I'm actually now interested in building generational wealth. And the thing to conceptualize about generational wealth is you have to look at it a pyramid or a family tree. It's like at the top, there's my wife and I, and it's like, okay, how much money would it take for us to live our current lifestyle? Okay. So how much cash flow from assets would we have to have so that we could both stop working? Okay. We've, we've got a number, let's say it's $20,000 a month is the cash flow that we'd have to have, but then we have two kids and then they have their families. And then each of those families, they want to live a similar lifestyle you throw inflation into it and maybe they need $35,000 per month to live that high life and with inflation in the future. So that's $70,000 per month. And so within one generation, it's like all of a sudden four times as much cash flow from assets is needed for them to not have to work and to just completely live based off of passion, purpose, and fun. And so for me, I'm like, okay, how can I actually create generational wealth, a situation where the wealth doesn't run out for generations to come. And that would be a huge burden on me to have to think about every generation that's going to come from me until (laughs) humans are no longer on the face of the earth and make sure that the money and the assets I've created support them. So that's actually taken me down the rabbit hole of thinking, okay, so what does generational wealth represent? And it comes from knowledge. It comes from the knowledge of how to build and maintain wealth comes from the knowledge of money. And so for me, yes, I'm looking to achieve the ability to give my future generations a head start and to take care of any of my family members who need it and all that with my wealth building. But I also 
am learning how to invest and how to build wealth so that I can share that knowledge with my family, with my kids, with my wife. And then that way they know. And if they want to take that information to then build wealth, that's what's going to allow generations to come to sustain it is that that passed on knowledge. And I actually, I think it's, I don't remember if I said it on the show or before when we were talking, but my parents bought me an investing book, a children's investing book called Growing Money when I was a kid. Oh, no, you didn't, and, I don't think I knew that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And I was obsessed with it. That's why I wanted to get, that's why like financial services industry sector was like my astronaut, like why I wanted to do that. And I want to write a book like that with everything that I have learned that makes wealth building really fun and accessible to my kids. Like I, I literally just want to write the book for my kids. I don't care if anybody else reads it, but I think it would be a really cool way to pass that on and to achieve my goal of creating generational wealth. Yeah. That's so good, man. When you, not to get open up your portfolio here, but when you look at cash generating assets, what are you generally attracted to? Is it real estate? Is it a small business? What do you, what's your flavor? Yeah. So right now my business isn't something that I could completely step away from and have the same level of cash flow. But that is a goal. And a lot of people do create business models where they can completely step away and it would still, you know, create cash flow for them. I, I love that. If anybody is in a business like that where maybe they create an invention and they get royalties, people who have done creative production, man, right now with what's going on in the crypto world and the NFT space, creatives have a lot of opportunity to create that recurring income from things that they create. But for me right now, my personal investment strategy is I do have a balanced one. I have real estate, which is a cash flowing asset. It also helps offset some taxes. When you look at things like depreciation of the building, I am, as I mentioned, pretty heavily invested into cryptocurrencies. There are a lot of ways without exposing yourself to the volatility of a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Ethereum, that in the blockchain world, you can create passive income for yourself. There is a, it's called Anchor Protocol, and it provides 20% APY on stable coins, which is a coin that is backed or pegged to the US dollar. And so that right there is a highly liquid cash flowing asset. Like a lot of people in the real estate world would be very happy to get 20% cash on cash return from a single family home that they rent out. Now, the problem with that is most of the properties, like the ones I own, that get 20% or more cash on cash return, they are houses that I probably bought hundred to $150,000 valuation. And the problem is in order to sell those, I would have to sell it at a discount. So it's actually the principle of it's not liquid. And I, I didn't buy them for the capital gains or the appreciation. I bought them for the cash flow, but I think it's really cool how there's opportunities to earn a 20% return where the liquidity of that principle is so high because with cryptocurrency, if people don't know, like the transaction speed is so fast. Hmm. Try to get, let's say $40,000 out of your bank account right now into another bank account. Maybe you have 
a savings account where you're earning 0.1% APY and you want to switch to one that's 1% APY, try getting it to the one that's 1% APY within the next three days, within the next five days. But then you look at cryptocurrency with something like the Anchor Protocol. So I've got my stable coins in there. If for some reason Anchor Protocol, which has a stable 20% yield as opposed to some of the money markets, let's say I, I saw a better and safe return elsewhere, then I could literally take those stable coins and I could move them elsewhere within a couple minutes. Yeah. And so for me, that's why I'm currently so heavy in the crypto space. I have a lot of my investments are in actually stable coins and yield generating opportunities there, but I do have a little bit of a risk tolerance, but I do have a bit of my portfolio that's exposed to some of the riskier, more volatile investments. Oh man, such a fun conversation. So tell me about this anchor <laughs> protocol, man. Is it a book? Is it something that we can go online and find or where, where, do you, where do you learn more about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit nerdy if you really wanted to go to, I think it's like anchorprotocol.com. If you, if you typed anchor protocol and perhaps Terra Luna into Google, I'm sure it would come up. They do have documentation because you obviously want to go into understanding the risks of putting money into a platform like that. For me, I look at it where there's always uh, what they call smart contract risks, the vulnerability that somebody could hack it. And it's not FDIC insured, but there are insurance options on the blockchain now, which is really cool for your money. But yeah, I would say go check it out. There's also, I don't love crypto YouTubers. They're all very, very hypey, tend to be under-researched, really play into narratives rather than actual fact, let's say. But there's one guy, Coin Bureau. His name's Guy. I believe he has a video on Terra Luna, which is essentially the ecosystem that Anchor Protocol is a part of. And that video has a little bit of an explanation about Anchor Protocol. But it's, yeah, it's something where you, if you're brand new to the space, you probably would have a few hurdles with, let's say, setting up your wallet, getting an exchange, getting money onto an exchange. There's a few steps involved for sure. But for 20% gains, I, I spent an hour in my notary's office going through 180 pages of a closing document to buy a property. And I've done a lot more. <laughs> when it comes to my property investments, then reading a few documents, setting up a wallet and figuring out how to securely move money around the crypto world. Yeah. Um, I think the hardest part for me with crypto is explaining to my wife that this isn't a horrible idea. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's step one. Yeah. But she we talked about, I put in, like I was telling you, I put a, a certain amount in every week and I'm just enjoying the learning process with it. And this is a really cool step forward. I think it's a really exciting time for wealth building. I think there's so many unique ways to do it. And I think I love your approach. You got the real estate, you got your business. I'm sure you have traditional investments and looking at new and new opportunities like blockchain is, it's just a really cool time to have options to do that kind of stuff. And there's always the traditional ways of doing it too. You can buy a, a pretty, like a self-storage is one of my favorites. It's something that I'm looking to get into in the next year or two, because man, there's one thing that I'm pretty sure Americans uh, aren't going to stop doing, and that's collecting stuff. 
And yeah. uh, you know, where are they going to put all their stuff? It's, it seems to be another never-ending source of clientele. So I want to look at this as we sum it up. And we talked about your background and really finding purpose within the fitness and health industry and, and pursuing that and turning into a business and doing very well. You've really nailed down the lifestyle component. I think I'm sure we're always more self-critical, but I look at your life and you moved to Australia with purpose you were nomadic for a while. I think that's when we first started talking, you were nomadic. And so was I about four years ago. You surfing 300 days a year. You're also on this podcast quest. You're also trying to do, I think when we talked, you're trying to do X amount of interviews in the next year. How's that going? Yeah. So it's going pretty well, man. My goal was to get 90 interviews lined up in 90 days and I think I underestimated how difficult that would be considering <laughs> I don't think there's 90 center of the bullseye speaking opportunities that were sure. just there. I didn't get 90 lined up, but the thing is shooting high that allowed me to get quite a few booked in and it's been fun. Yeah. I really yeah. love having conversations like this and having the opportunity to speak to people who feel like they have something to gain from me. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. You always offer a lot and I really appreciate it. It's, it's a great it's a great life that you built yourself and you do it with intention. I guess was what I'm trying to get it out. Mm-hmm. Everything you do with you do it with a lot of intention. And I'm sure when you set intention, good things and bad things really come your way. But you're, you tend to be a little bit more lucky. You know, people will look at things and be like, oh, I was lucky. I'm like, I guarantee there was a ton of intention, a lot of hard work and improve that person's odds. And then they kept trying. I apply that. I mean, I look at what you're doing. 90 interviews in 90 days, 300 days of surfing. You seem to be a very goal driven person. It's a cool thing to, to watch. And if people want to learn more about what you're doing, maybe they want to get, you know, coached in the world of health and nutrition, or they want to become a coach, or they just want to learn your business principles. And they want to talk to you about crypto. What, where are the places that you send them online now, Matt? Yeah, man. So if anybody is a health or nutrition coach, I've got an amazing Facebook group where both our mutual friend, Kate, who you actually connected me with, she's now my partner in business. Yeah. So Kate and I, we do live training, have tons of resources. We give a lot away to our community. It's called the Online Nutrition Coach Community on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. If you want to jump into that, you can also go to beyondmacros.com slash community. You're probably listening to this as a podcast, which means you need an easy way to find it. So that, that will ask you to opt in, but if you want, just immediately opt out of the stuff that we send you. But we do that so that we can send you some of the best resources from the community because it can be overwhelming when you initially join. We've been doing weekly live classes for the last year. So depending on when you hear this, there could be 50, 100, 150 different live classes to sort through and they're all full of gold. So we have essentially a curated list of some of the things that we send you if you opt in for it ahead of joining. And then, yeah, if anybody's interested in anything else that I've talked about that is not in the health and nutrition coaching realm, you can find me on Facebook. You can, I'm hesitant to give out my email address, but yeah, yeah, I don't want to pretty bad with email anyway. My assistant is, keeps it organized for me, but I've taken that almost as, oh, I've completely delegated it. So, oh, I still have a responsibility to take action on these things. So you wouldn't want to email me anyway, but you can find me on Facebook, Matthew Walrath. I probably, depending, I don't know if my style will change. So I'll probably be wearing a really cool Hawaiian t-shirt. I doubt I'll cut my hair. So I'll probably have long hair. <laughs> That's how you'll find me. <laughs> Right on. I love it, man. Yeah. Matt, it's always, uh, it's always great catching up with you, man. You always offer a, a ton of value to my audiences and uh, yeah, man, just generally love the way you operate. So keep up the great work. 
Thanks, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Walrath. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be, I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction, whatever it may be. You can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.